0: my greatness. Do not look at yourselves. Do not look at your size. Do not look at your resources. For I use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, says the Lord. We give you the highest place. We give you the highest place, Lord. You said if you be lifted up, you would draw men unto yourself. So clean out that trumpet, Lord, of all its preconceptions, all its limitations, all its small-mindedness, all its arrogance, all its inferiority and superiority. Clean out that trumpet, Lord, that when you blow, it's a clear sound in the city, a clear sound resonating through the land to the glory of your name. Clear out that trumpet, Lord. Even through your word today, Lord, would you bring a washing, a washing by the word, a renewing by the word in our minds. That our lives will be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the ministry of the word in Jesus' wonderful name. Can we just give the Lord a praise this morning? I just feel like it's right Lord, to you be the glory. To you be the praise. To you be all the thanks. Amen. Amen. Thanks to us. Praise the Lord. Sure. We've just had the Holy Spirit come and stir us up. Are you ready to be stirred up by the Word this morning? Thank you, Lord, for your Word. We're going to take up the, the offering, so if you want to um, take your your hands. And then, um, Corrine, I want to ask you to come pray for us this morning. Where are you? Give Corrine the handheld, please. We're going to take up our offering in our hands. And um, Corrine is going to make a declaration for us. Amen. It's cheerful time. All right. All right.
1: Lord God, I just thank you that it is such a blessing to give, Lord God. I thank You, Lord, that as we give, it's almost like the sounds of our heart just echo to heaven, Lord God. And Lord, I just declare an abundant blessing over this tithe and this offering this morning, Lord God. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You would send it into the Jerusalem, the Judeas, and to the end of the earth. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You would send this money to exactly where it needs to go, that there would be a heavenly, uh, uh, almost like a heavenly op- uh, a open heaven over every single person's life, Lord. I thank you for an abundant blessing and favor, Lord Jesus, that financial problems will not be financial problems, but there will be ways and how and when and how to give, Lord God. That, Lord, as a church, we would be generous, Lord, on all occasions. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, for checks in the mail. I thank you, Lord, for business breakthroughs. I thank you, Lord God, for people to get saved this week, Lord Jesus. That the kingdom would be established through our people here in Howe as a whole. This week, Holy Spirit, that you delight in our giving this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's take up the offering. And if you can do two things at once, I invite you to open up to Romans chapter 7 in your Bible. And I want to share... Something that's growing in me around the the subject of of learning to be yourself. Learning to be yourself. And let me add to that by saying the real you. Learning to be yourself. The real you. Look at the person next to you and say the real you. I think that real you is sometimes hidden. Hidden. But that's what we're looking at this morning. You see, if you're anything like my wife, no no one likes to be told what to do. Hey, Jan. I mean, no one like. I mean, how do you like it when someone comes and says, I'm going to tell you what to do? No, No one really likes that, eh? Well, we don't. I mean, nobody tells me what to do. But maybe this morning, so I'm not going to come and tell you what to do because that's religion. Now, someone can get up and tell you what to do, but that's kind of, can be religious. But I'm here this morning to tell you who you are. And that's the gospel. There's a difference. My job this morning is not here to tell you what to do. My job this morning is to tell you who you are. Because you can't be the real person you are unless you know who you are. Amen? Amen? you not convinced yet. So, I'm going to have to go to the Bible. Romans chapter 7 and reading from verse 15, if you've got your Bibles open. I know they're going to be jumping around this morning a bit. But, uh, verse 15 of chapter 7, Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. That's why the law has a place. It brings some curbing to human nature. If there's a 60 kilometres hour, an hour s- sign on the road, then, then it's more likely to make people slow down. Because the, f- the normal human person would want to foot in the hook and see how fast he can go in the red. And all that law does is it curbs the the human nature. It doesn't change the human nature. Because if we took that away, we know what people's response would be. But but the law has a part to play in that it curbs otherwise wild behavior. But it doesn't change the heart. Anyway, said enough about that. Verse 17. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin, noun, in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. Sure, has anybody ever said that about themselves lately? There's nothing good in me. I'm glad he qualifies it because or else I would have a problem with what he said there. Because there is something good that lives in you. But he says, that is in, and he uses the word sinful nature. Last week I mentioned that that word sinful nature in the original is the word sarx. S-A-R-X. And it means flesh. And the The NIV did a very good job in translating, but that word they kind of overexpanded, and most other translations use the word flesh, and in the footnote it'll also use the word flesh. Because by calling flesh sinful nature, we make it sound like the flesh is evil, but flesh is not evil. Flesh is pretty neutral. The flesh can be evil, but it can be pretty, it's neutral. It's like food. Body needs food. Food good for body. But body can take over and gluttony can lead you into terrible situations. Sex, very good. Good in marriage only. Body like flesh. I mean, body, flesh like sex. Nothing wrong with sex. But who knows that can get you into a lot of trouble if it's outside of those parameters. Amen? So flesh... The desires of the flesh, the, the, the earth temple we're in, the five senses and, the, and all that's involved in this complex, beautiful, amazing creation God gave us, is really neutral. When you, say, when you call it sinful nature, then it distorts the picture. So, Paul says, okay, I'm, going, I'm never going to get to my sermon. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in the flesh. Taking advantage. We know that's the whole problem of fallen man. So he comes to a conclusion, verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight to do God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that's within my members. And He comes to this conclusion. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ. Now, commentators are divided on whether Paul was speaking as a Jewish spiritual person or after he was converted. I I tend to feel in the context he was a, a Jewish Christian. It was in his early struggle with still being under law, because they never had the revelation in the New Testament and all those things, that they were just good Jews that found Jesus Christ and were born again and for a long time still had this oppression of legalism over their lives. And and in that state, he finds a struggle going on because... the. the the things he wants to do that are exposed by the Lord. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Had to come into agreement with the new covenant. And, and he's in this turmoil and the struggle which he eventually re- realizes he's a wretched man. He cannot do what he wants to do. And then he finds his total deliverance in the finished work of the cross. In Jesus Christ. And that is part of the journey many of us are taking even in this day and age. Where we understand it's only through Jesus and Jesus alone that we are going to get the victory. And this is the victory he then expounds from chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. That's the first thing, for those in Christ Jesus, that's the first thing he has to uh, realize in our new victory, is that his condemnation is being removed. If we still live under condemnation, we are going to be in defeat. If we still live under an exterior grid of measuring myself, I'm going to fall short. And by falling short, I'm going to feel shameful, and I'm going to... be be condemned and feel guilty. And that's the first thing that's got to be lifted off. And then he gives the reason why that condemnation has been lifted off in verse 2. He says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, set me free from the law of sin and death. So this law of sin and death that was at work, has now been eradicated, it's been neutralized through what Jesus Christ did, by His Spirit coming into me. Verse 3, And what basis was that on? Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Say, in me. And that's a whole teaching around the position we have in Christ. In us is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus fulfilled the whole law. Jesus in me. And now I live. I do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. A couple of statements I want to throw out because... We're not going to have time to bring out every point. So there are a couple of points. Number one, you are still in the flesh, but you're no longer the flesh. Read from verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Because the sinful mind is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. If you are controlled by the sinful nature, you cannot please God. There was a time in our life where we were controlled. Because it uses two different words here. Controlled and live according. As a born-again Christian, we can still choose to live according to the flesh or live according to the spirit. But we are no longer controlled by the flesh. That's for a person whose spirit is dead, who is not born again or regenerated. He has no choice but to live according to, the, to be controlled by the flesh. And remember, the flesh is neutral. So you might have a very good person who is not born again, who is controlled by the flesh. They don't have the spirit to be controlled by. But a born again person has the choice to live setting his mind on what the spirit desires and he lives according to the spirit and thereby becomes controlled by the spirit. But can still make the choice to live according to the flesh. How? By setting his mind on what the flesh desires. So that's why that's very important. That first point was you're still in the flesh but you're not the flesh. The flesh is neutral. It's capable of creating its own identity. And we see in 1 Corinthians 1 from verse 26 to 27, Paul says, um, do we have that one, James? 1 Corinthians one twenty six. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth. Now, that word uh, human standards is also the word socks. You see how they translated it differently? That word uh, Oh, uh, oh, there you go. After the flesh. There you go. Not many mighty nor noble. So so when you're saying in the flesh, you can have an identity of, of wisdom. The, the flesh is capable of wisdom. It's, the, the flesh has an identity created on its nobility. So it's family line. What school you went to. Who you hang with. What your surname is. The the flesh has an ability of, of intelligence and strength and physical power. So your identity can be based on what you look like. Athleticism. Uh, you know, your, 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 your presence, your body. Your, man unsaved, unborn again. Identity can only come from his flesh. His nobility, his, his, no, his um, strength and his wisdom. His, his intellect, his physical body or his family line. That's where his identity comes from. When we're born again, our identity no longer has to come from the flesh. Although we're still in the flesh. And there's nothing wrong with being having intellect and having nobility and all those things. But our identity is no longer derived from that. Am I speaking over your head? A little um, let's look at the next one self righteousness. Yeah, the flesh is neutral. It's capable of self-righteousness. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4 to 6. We see that um, Paul says, Though I myself have such confidence, if anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, regard to the law of Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, that's the law based righteousness, the outside appearance, you know, the keeping the 60 kilometers an hour speed limit, doesn't change your heart, what you want to do, but outwardly you look very good. That was the mistake. They thought that was the righteousness God wanted. God was looking for something completely different. He's looking for a change in the heart that only He could do. So He says, according to that righteousness, I was faultless. So this was His credential. This was His CV that He would have sent ahead of Himself for His identity. And then let's go on to the next verse. And it says, but whatever was to my profit, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, that is by faith. So in the flesh he understood this, that his new identity came from being in Christ. It came from being uh, identified with Christ. His own morality was stripped off. All the things he trusted in and being a good person in the flesh. You can be a good person in the flesh. A religious person. Even better than some Christians. Hello? Integrity and and, and self-righteousness. But all that... Has to be stripped off you because even our goodness has to be stripped off till we come to a place where it's Christ and Christ alone. Where we are completely stripped of self identity and, and where we come to a place of, Lord, it's your righteousness, it's your goodness that I've put my hope in. And then we know the flesh is neutral. Next point, under, under point two, it's capable of just blatant sin. Galatians talks about the the the, the flesh, what it's you know, all those things in chapter five where it it goes on and explains the, the the blatant sin that the flesh is capable. So we see that flesh is neutral. Number three, the flesh is with you, but the flesh is not you. Because the moment we think we've been controlled by the flesh Then we're not in the Spirit. We've got to separate those two things. And he carries on in verse 9 of chapter 8 in Romans. You, however, are not... You, however, are controlled not by the sinful mate, not by the flesh, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and you in Christ, okay? Your body is dead, because it was identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yet your spirit is alive because of His righteousness. He became sin, so you can become. So you're alive now. And if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. Life that will bring you into victory, life that will bring you into success and, and overcoming and breakthrough. Number four, you don't have to live controlled by the flesh, but controlled by the Spirit. And this is his whole argument in chapter 7. A good person, whether it's a religious person or even a born again person, living under what I can do to to be righteous, what I can do, what, how, how well I can live compared to coming to a place where in Christ there's no condemnation. I'm now no longer setting my mind on what the flesh wants, I'm setting my mind on what the Spirit wants. Do you know that the real you desires the things that God desires? How do we know? I, on the way this morning, I got this revelation I said to Janet, I said, you know, no longer can we preach, you must Go to church. You must go to church. You have to, you know, if you don't go to church, you're going to, you, you know, not be blessed. We can't preach that anymore. The, the way to preach now is if I don't want to go to church, why don't I want to go to church? It's no longer, you have to pray an hour a day. The Lord has shown me one hour of prayer a day. We have to pray. You have to pray. If you don't pray, you're not going to see God's blessing in your life. We can't preach that anymore. We've got to preach. If you're not praying, why aren't you praying? Because you know your new nature desires to pray. The new you, if you were really being yourself, would want to pray. Would want to spend time in the Word. So it's an indication that I've set my mind on what the flesh wants. Exclusive to what my spirit wants. You know that your spirit craves the presence of God? God. That's why when you come into a meeting like this and it's a corporate and maybe you're feeling a little bit flat and suddenly at some stage there's an anointing on the worship. Maybe it's only one song or one word but something in you leaps up. You know what that is? That's your spirit saying, Oh, at last. I can drink again. I can breathe again. Because the mind has been so occupied in what the flesh wants, what the human desires want, and some of them are good, like, a, like we see. Some of them are noble. Some of them are intellectual. Some of them are just what you've got to do and we still live on earth and we've got to you know, feed our families and go to work and you know, keep the car clean. And, but our minds get so obsessed with those things that after a while we actually forget what our spirit, the real me, is craving the presence of God, the Word of God, to pray, to share the Gospel with, others. It's no longer preaching you have to share the lost because the lost will be demanded by their blood on you my friend. If you haven't witnessed you know you're not a Christian. No, now the question is if you're not witnessing to people, why not? Is it we so got our mind so much of what the flesh desires, we haven't got our mind of what my true desire, of my true heart desires. So you say it's the same thing but it's completely different. I can never go back to preaching like that. I can, never go, I can never submit myself to preaching like that. Because I've discovered something. Point five. Paul warns of the danger of beginning in the spirit. Beginning like this. But then regressing into that Roman 7 style of, of relying on the flesh. Remember in Galatians chapter 3. Uh, the verse, maybe the verse will come up wrote in Galatians 3, verse 3. He says, you, you began in the Spirit. You began so well. What happened? Now you're relying on yourself. You're relying on your efforts. You're relying on your ability. You started here where you said, I'm stripped of all what I can do. And I'm totally trusting in the work of the Spirit in me, Jesus Christ. And, and we started there. But but then somehow we slipped into this kind of Christianity where we actually got our mind on what we Asad, our our, the, the flesh. So if my spirit desires to pray, that's one thing. But if I've got to now de- depend on self-determination and use resolutions to pray, this year I'm going to get up every morning between five and six and I'm going to pray for an hour because the preacher told me that's how I want God's blessing in my life. The moment I start, it's going to become a duty-driven, task-orientated, something I've got to do with my discipline. I'm slipping from the kind of life that says, even if I don't feel like it right now, that just tells me something's wrong. I've got to get my mind back on what the Spirit desires. It says, if we set our mind on what the Spirit desires, there's life. You see, this should be taking condemnation off you this morning. It should be setting you free from task, duty-driven Christianity to, I started in the Spirit. Where did I go wrong? I want to carry on in the Spirit. I know I'm in a good place, spiritually, when I'm looking forward to testifying to people about Jesus, when I'm looking forward to opportunities to share the Gospel. A lady came to, she knocked on the door, gave us a vacuum cleaner demonstration the other night. I went out, came back in, she was on her knees with Janet, leading her to the Lord. I know she's in a good place when she's thinking more about getting a woman born again instead of buying a vacuum cleaner. Amen? Which husband doesn't want a wife like that? We know we're in a good place when the desires of our heart are his or towards him. If that's my first point, <laughs> Paul's struggle. Second point, I want to take you to Ephesians. And I want to just shoot through this passage with you. In chapter 2, and reading from verse 4, it says, But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus so that He can boast about you. Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages He might show of the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by a work so that no man can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance For us to do. Two points quickly under that. Number one, there was an old you that died. And secondly, there is a new you that has a divine nature. According to 2 Peter 1 verse 4. By his precious promises we have received a divine nature. So there was a you that died. and We know that in identification with Christ. But there is a new you which is the divine nature put on the inside of you. And this is the real you, the you we have to now live by. Because that you is seated with Christ in heavenly places. I mean, come on. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. Let me ask you, how holy do you have to be to be seated in Christ in heavenly places? Think of the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies. For the, to go into the Holy of Holies and open the lid of the of the Ark of the Covenant and the Shekinah glory, how how holy would you have had to be to put your hand into that Holy of Holies? 100% holy. So we've settled now that that's what Jesus has made your divine nature. The new you, the real you, is capable of being seated with Him in the heavenly places. You died, you who are dead in your sins, He made you alive in Christ and seated you in Christ in the heavenly places. That's a whole new relationship with God. The new you is 100% righteous. The new you is 100% holy and sanctified. The new you doesn't have the excuse anymore of saying, Well, you know, I did something wrong and that's just like I am. and That's just my old name, my old sinful nature. No, that has been crucified. There's a new you and that new you is created in Christ in holiness, righteousness and sanctification. And until we begin believing who I am, and until you believe who I'm telling you by the word of God you are this morning, We will live below our privileges. We'll live below the rights of the victorious life, of the the, the new creation realities, of the reigning of this of the more than conquerors we'll miss that because God won't let us get away while we're living in this mentality even as a born again Christian like Paul in Romans 7 that we, we, we're going to have the struggle until we say wretched man am I get stripped of our self-righteousness and identity come totally into Christ and know that you are eligible for every one of the blessings in heavenly places because you are in Christ Jesus in heavenly places and now it gets better Point three there, you want to do the things your new man was created to do. Wow. You want to do the things your new man was created to do. How do we know this? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good, which God prepared in advance to do. There's something inside you, you want to do. And when you do that righteous thing that God's called you to do, that's the real you to the point where we do th- if we do things that we know we shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be taking risks saying, well, that's just me. We should be saying, that's not me. I'm not like that anymore. Maybe I used to have a violent temper and my flesh is prone to violent temper. So when a taxi pulls in front of me, my temper comes up. I should say to myself, that's not like you anymore. Stop taking responsibility for it. Stop saying, oh, that's just me. I'm struggling with the sinful nature. No, say that's not like me anymore. The new man is full of love, joy, peace, kindness. I I might not be releasing it yet because I'm setting my mind on the flesh. But I'm going to get to a place where I can set my mind on the spirit. What he wants, and what he wants is what God wants. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8. Maybe I had a compulsive spending problem gambling whatever it was pornography substance abuse that's not the real me anymore that's not the real you I'm here to tell you this morning that's not you because I found out who you are I found out that in Christ you are 100% the righteousness of God in Him your new you the true you is 100% being sanctified, being sanctified. The new you is capable of setting its mind on what the spirit desires, opposed to what the flesh desires. The new you in Christ is the place where you can live the victorious life. But here's the thing, it's birth that determines identity, not behavior. I can live here in a garage for the rest of my life and I'll never become a car. I can make noises like a car, walk like a car, close my doors like a car. I will never, you either were born a car or you were not born a car. It's how you were born that determines your identity, not how you behave. We were born in first Adam. How many sins did it constitute to be a sinner? None, because we were born that way. We sin because we sinners. We're not sinners because we sinned. We were born that way. We were born in 1st Adam. Without doing one thing wrong, how many right things do we have to be to be born again? How many right things? Not one. No, we put faith in what Jesus Christ did. Finished. We don't do one right thing. We are born again. Our birth determines our identity. Not how we behave. Let me tell you, I shared this the other night. I grew up in Springs. I apologize for that, okay? But in Springs, my family were very reputable, had a very good name. In the golf industry, they were all professional golfers. There's a little street here in Durban that's named after my dad's dad, Bruce Street, across the way from Four Seasons. It's one of the named roads. They has not been changed names yet. And the and, and Bruce, because he was the first South African to win the South African Open three years concurrently. And that very golfing family, everyone knew the bruises, big businessmen. And growing up as a wheeler, I was so desperate to be a bruise. And at school, they would start talking, Oh, your dad's Benny, yeah, we know Benny. So you must be Stephen Bruce." And I'd go, I'm actually Stephen Wheeler. I just couldn't be a bruise. Why not? I could act like a bruise, talk like a bruise, ski like a bruise, play golf. Nearly as a bruise. But I could never be a bruise. Why not? Because birth determines identity, not behavior. All that to say that there was an old me that died and a new me that has a new nature and a new identity. And we should be more proud about this identity than we are about that identity. It's not because of who we are and what schools we went to and what surnames we had and how much resources or intellect or what our physical appearance was. uh, Our identity should be totally, I am not ashamed of being a Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, faith-declaring, new covenant believer in the righteousness of Jesus, seated in heavenly places. When I wake up in the morning, I go and say, Father, I know it's nothing that I could have ever done in my behavior that's qualified me for this place. So today, I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for this miracle. And that the Spirit in me desires the thing you desire. So I desire the things you desire. So I want to go out and be a blessing to people today. Because you are a blessing. I want to be a success today. Because you are a success. I want to be more than an overcomer today. Because you are more than an overcomer. I'm finished with being in the old man. I'm setting my mind on what the new man wants. And that is our victory every day. And that is your identity. And if our identity isn't anything else, we've missed the most wonderful opportunity—the real you. I'm just going to let this come up because we're out of time this morning. The real you. Number one, the new you is 100% righteous, holy, and sanctified. Number two, the new you is seated in heavenly places. Number three, the new you is eligible for every blessing Christ has provided. Number four, the new you loves God's presence. And when we come into a place of worship and prophetic proclamation, it stirs it up. That's me. Now I know who I am. I got a bit lost in my head in the week. But now I know who I am. And I want to be the real me. Ever hear the story of the little girl, her mother asked her, what will you do if Jesus knocks on the door? She says, I'll open up and ask him in. The mother said, what will you do if the devil knocks on the door? She says, I'll send Jesus to answer the door. (laughs) But maybe she had something. Maybe she had something. Maybe we're so intimidated by failure and the demonic and demons and the economy. and Maybe it's because we haven't fully understood and understood. Who's living inside us and who we are in Him. And when we do that, we'll stop just blaming my father and his father, and I'm like my mother, and just a sinful flesh, and you know, I'm just weak. And, I'm, and we'll stop blaming the person who's dead, and we'll start believing the person who's alive, who's been placed in us. And I know we live this tension. Between when I, I know, you know Steve, I've been listening to this message and I love it, and but on Wednesday last week I did this stupid thing and then I think to myself, How can I do that? You know? People are gonna say, Yeah, just because you're under grace now, you think you can carry on sinning. And that's not my heart. Because I'm under grace, in fact I know I'm free from sin. So why do I keep doing that? I've got to go to Romans eight and say, Where are we setting our minds? Is it on What the spirit desires? Or is it on what the flesh desires? And that's maybe the only part that I have to play. I have to keep coming back to my position and say, my spirit desires you, Lord. You are my victory. There's no condemnation in Christ in you. You were condemned for me so that I can now have a new life, a victorious life, be more than a conqueror. My trust is in you, Lord. I'm not going back into self-effort. I'm not going back into self-discipline. I'm not going back to news resolutions. I'm not going to go back into a religiosity outwardly that keeps the 60 kilometer, but in my heart doesn't want to... I want to live in a place where I'll say, Lord, I desire after you. I desire your presence. Last statement will come up. When we walk according to the flesh, we're not being our true selves. Be yourself. Be the real you. Be the real you. Let's stand up together. Just as we stand up, I want to ask you, sir, if you came into this place today and you have attended a church, please, not too much moving around. I know some people have to, but let's just respect this, this time. If, if you came to this church this morning and you don't know if you have been born again, maybe you've been trying to be religious, maybe you, you look and say, I don't live such a bad life. Maybe your flesh is, is something to boast in. But you don't know if you have been born again where you've experienced the no condemnation and the presence of God freely. Then I want to say, can I pray with you this morning? Because one prayer way, putting my, your faith in the finished work of the cross is what you have to do this morning. So just in your heart right now, can you, can you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you were crucified, that you were buried, and that you rose again. I believe that through your finished work on the cross, every one of my sins, past, present, and future, can be forgiven. I put my faith in your blood right now, and receive the free gift of the forgiveness of my sin. I pray that my my mind will be renewed to understand this prayer I've just prayed. I want to say to you if, if you've prayed that right now and that's, that's all you can do I want to come into agreement with you and I want to just pray a prayer over you right now where you stand. And all I'm asking that you look up at me and make eye contact. If you prayed that prayer and you said, that's me, I want to be included in this prayer. I want you to look up wherever you're standing right now and make eye contact with me. Because in a moment I'm going to look in your direction and when I point at you, I want you just to, by indicating, by lifting up your hand so I know who I'm praying for right now. If If you're looking at me right now, just raise your hand. Of me here anybody here thank you sir anybody in this section thank you sir anybody else thank you sir any thank you ma'am anybody in this section thank you ma'am thank you sir anybody else I don't want to miss I'm just looking over but if I look in your direction just anybody here anybody in this section anybody on the side of the church if you're looking thank you sir thank you sir thank you sir Thank you, sir. Praise Jesus in heaven above. I want to pray for you right now. I want to ask you to do a bold thing. Just right now. Don't even think. You don't have to think about it. I want you to come straight to the front here. I want to pray with you. Just come wherever you're standing. That's right. Come right now. Just come. I want to, we want to welcome you. That's right. Just come wherever you're standing. Slip out the aisles. People don't mind you where you're coming from. Just slip out the aisles. Come to the front. Just come right here. I don't always do this, but I feel sometimes we have to just uh, confirm what we're doing. So I'm not wanting to embarrass anybody. Everyone else is going to stand for a moment as we just come before you. Maybe an elder can come and stand with these folk. Lord, we thank you that you're touching hearts and saving lives and bringing change. And Lord, even as these people come right now, we just thank you that you've started a work in them. Through putting faith in their hearts to believe this glorious message, we just come and stand with them. Just reach out to them this morning, church. And you standing in front, do you just say off to me, thank you Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of sin through the name of Jesus Christ. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior that I will be born again in my spirit. My old man has been crucified and my new man is in Christ. I have been born again by the confession of my mouth this morning that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We, if you could just stay up for a moment. I'm going to dismiss the service. But I'm going to ask these folk, if you, there's someone standing with you, we're just going to pray with you now. And just uh, get some way we can help you in the week ahead. Amen.